Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back to Win in Romance, your place for romance bookish things and stuff. And... I love that you find a new way to say that every single time. Every God single bless you, Jess Pride. I do what I can. As Trisha said, I'm Jess. Oh, and I'm Trisha. Sorry. <laughs> and we have a special guest for the very first time on Win and Romance, and we are so excited. Let's welcome best-selling author of some pretty awesome things, Sarah McLean. Yay! I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, guys. Thank you for Sarah. I love that Sarah has done a better job of introducing herself on her first podcast than I have done on introducing of introducing myself on number eleven. I've done this eleven times, and Sarah's already ahead of it. It's just true. I'm just very excited to be here. In fact, I even I'm I'm actually not in my house right now, but I packed my Book Riot T-shirt. My books are in my wheelhouse T-shirt, and I didn't change before I got on on the call with you. So now I'm feeling kind of bummed. But you know what, though, I had an outfit even planned. It's you can actually celebrate. You can celebrate a successful recording afterward by putting on your um, your book riot T-shirt. I will. I will do that. I love it. Um, so before we delve into all of our fantastic conversations, we have actually a lot of really interesting conversations. Uh, we, we saved some some very interesting uh, conversation topics that we've been talking about for a couple of months to wait and have them specifically with Sarah. Um, but before we delve into that, we are going to talk very briefly about one of our wonderful sponsors. We have the very best sponsors here on When in Romance. Yes, we do. And so um, we're going to talk first about Sweet Black Waves by Christina Perez. We are sponsored by Fierce Reads. Um, this book, Sweet Black Waves, is about um, a best friend and lady-in-waiting to the princess, Braywin, who is guided by two principles, devotion to her homeland and hatred for the raiders who killed her parents. Ooh. But when she... I know, right? It's very <laughs> intense. But when she unknowingly saves the life of her enemy, you know, we've all been there. Mm-hmm. He awakens her ancient... In. Right? Exactly. One, so one click. Enemy Yeah. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. See, you already knew that this enemy was going to be uh, the the love interest because guys, Sarah, Sarah has rodeo. done this before. Yeah, <laughs> she has been here before. So he awakens. Wait for it, though. He awakens her ancient healing magic and opens her heart. So oh uh, Bronwyn begins to dream of peace, but the princess she serves is not so easily convinced. Mm -mm. She is fighting for what is right, even as her powers grow, and it will set Brynwyn against her best friend and the only man she's ever loved. Can she succeed, you guys? I don't know. Who can say? I mean, who can say? Exactly. The book is inspired by Tristan and Isolde. This is the first book in a sweeping new trilogy, and it reveals the true heroine of the legend. It will leave you clamoring for book two. It was written by... 
a medieval historian and linguist. Uh, and it showcases Cristina Perez's incredible world building and meticulous research. It is perfect for fans of Graceling and the Mists of Avalon. The lush fantasy is full of warring countries, family secrets, and forbidden, and then it says in parentheses, steamy exclamation point. So that's like a little bit of a, uh, you know, a flag here for the one in romance listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, romance that will break your heart in the best possible way. It is available wherever swoon-worthy books are sold. Well, that's so, perfect. That's- that just tells yeah. me that I'm going to have to wait a few years to read that one because as much as I want to read it now, I don't have patience. So, Well, oh, that's true. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, we're only book one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so thank you so much to Fierce Rees and Sweet Black Waves by Christina Perez for sponsoring episode 11 of When in Romance. 11. So, when he awakens her healing powers, like there's got to be super touching. I sure hope so. I'm- I mean, Christina I mean, Perez, there's got to be super touching, right? Like, I would sure think so. It seems like the, the, this, it might be kind of, is it YA? Like, I don't know. I don't know how fine the steam touching. touching. Why, like, YA touching is, is even hotter than romance touching sometimes because it's all that they can do. And it's true. Swoon Reads is like that, that area where it's like, it could be YA. But it could also be crossover. Like, it's sold as YA, but it's not really. You know how it is. <laughs> I don't know, y'all. I don't know. Okay, one of the three of us just needs to read it and then just report back to the other two. I nominate Trish. I think that's, I mean, Co-sign. I feel like maybe, maybe, maybe all three. Maybe maybe all three of us <laughs> just dive right in. Yeah. I actually, yeah, I I have been trying to read a little more fantasy. So I do have I, I do have a little bit of the, like, he awakens her ancient healing magic when he, she saves his life. Like there's that. I feel like that's nice. She saves his life. He reciprocates by awakening the ancient healing magic. By I think that's nice. Awakening her <laughs> magic. I mean, you guys can't see on the screen, but I, there's I think some pretty serious air quotes there. So to be clear, if you, you also know what I mean. <laughs> Uh, you also can't see this on the screen, but Sarah is drinking a bottle of water and I am drinking a glass of red wine. So well done, Sarah. Good for you. Good Fine. For you. I don't need the wine to say embarrassing things. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, neither do I. And yet, it just makes things more fun. If you're wondering, I'm drinking tea. So we have I a mean, whole array of... Well, I was, drinking, uh, I was drinking tea last time and I put it on, a, on one of my stories on Instagram and uh, a Book Riot editor who shall remain nameless indicated that, frankly, it was borderline irresponsible not to be drinking alcohol when we were recording at post 9 p.m. Eastern time. So I'm just doing what I'm told. Well, I guess that means I like I'm that allowed to tea. Out of a cup. <laughs> I'm also drinking water. <laughs> two things. It's two different beverages. Got a double fist, you know. Oh man! All okay. right, we are we are ready to go. We so go. we have done. Yes. So thank you again. Sweet Black Waves is the is the book. Wine is the beverage. Water is also the beverage, and tea is the third beverage. So, Jess, you want to kick us off? We have we have so many topics. Well, you know, one topic that Trisha and I have been kicking around for probably a month and a half and then decided it would be a great topic to bring in when we had the great Sarah joining us was this whole concept of taboo romance. And it's been it's been around for a while. I mean, I don't think there's been a time when there's been romance and there's been taboo and they haven't gone together. But like this, the whole idea of uh, like 
in quotation marks, taboo romance, capital T, capital R, um, is a more recent thing. And I'm trying to think about, like, what do we actually mean when we say taboo romance? And maybe what are some good ones to try out? I don't know. So we decided to invite Sarah to join us in talking about that. Now, the Um, question is... Do you want to start? I do. I, you know, you were just saying that, and this hadn't even entered my mind, but I think um, taboo has, what is taboo romance is so completely evolved from where I was when I started, from when I first started writing romance to now. I'm reminded that I was with my agent before I'd sold my first romance novel, and she took me to lunch. I'm from New York City, and she took me to lunch, like, in this very posh like tightly packed in restaurant in in near where her office was and um we're seated at the table in the lunch rush and like two two inches away from us is the next table and she was a YA agent and I had said I wanted to write a romance novel and she like went and asked the agent in her off the romance agent in her office about it and she sat down across from me and before anything started before we had ordered or looked at the menu she put her hand on the table leaned forward and said okay so I asked about what what romance rules are, and she said, anything goes, but no anal. <laughs> and, and like, well. across this restaurant, there was just, like, silence. Like, <laughs> at the time, when she said that, my response was, like, super casually, like, oh, I know that, right? And, like, mm-hmm. now, throw a stone, right? <laughs> so true. God, can I say anal on this podcast? Oh, yeah, yes. Obviously, right? I mean, um, one way or another, yes. So in the early days, that was, I mean, and it, it was, what, 10 years ago? And that was literally like bond, like BDSM and sort of taboo, literal taboo sex um, was the the definition. But now, I mean, I feel like anything, literally anything goes. I think, um, you know, we've seen stepbrothers and you know daddy fantasies and um professor fantasies and dub con and non-con and you know priests <laughs> and it's all sort of in the mix mm-hmm. so i i don't know i mean i think it's like really this conversation is, is a conversation about kink right like where are the lines and mm-hmm. for some people there was a time when bdsm was taboo and now it's everywhere right everywhere uh, too, yeah. like, too much everywhere like i'm it sounds like so time consuming so <laughs> it's true oh so much time spent on work. bdsm <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> so our day-to-day lives oh <laughs> gotta brush your teeth three times a day fit in all the bdsm it's just <laughs> everywhere exactly <laughs> Uh, no, I think that's a really interesting point, Sarah. I was trying to, to tease that out too a little bit when I when we were talking about this topic, which is where does taboo come from? And you know, you mentioned priests, and I, I think so. I have actually not read Priest, which is a book I think probably that the two of you can talk a little bit more about. But I was thinking more about is it kink, right? So I was thinking about books like um, Asking for It by Lila Pace, which is mm-hmm. a um, a book where a heroine the heroine has a um, a rape fantasy and. It is por- partly, uh, well, I don't know if it's related to or not. It's I don't know if it's fair to say it's related to or not, but she is also the victim of sexual assault. And so the hero also enjoys that kind of role play. And that is a really sort of, it's a really tricky 
needle to thread. Mm-hmm. And I think not only actually did Lila Pace, the author, do it well, but um, I think the book was published by Berkeley, and I think they did a really good job of marketing it also in a way that it's it's very it everyone is it's very clear that everyone is in a very safe space all the time. Like mm-hmm. the hero is right. constantly checking in with the heroine. So I think it's almost a, a way of kind of pushing up against what is taboo, but also being very clear that, yeah, this, this maybe is outside the normal realm, but we are not um, knocking on the door of actual sexual assault or actual violence. Mm-hmm. And so like that was... So that's a, a space where I think you could have sort of a blurry line, but that book in particular is one that sort of stuck out to me as as walking it in a really interesting way. Yeah. I think that is such that is I think that's one of the best romances I've ever read. And um one of the reasons why is because you sort of touched on it and I can tell you for a fact that Lila did a ton of research on um, assault victims and how, and this particular kind of, um, kind of repercussion to their, their assault, um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, how survivors then come, come to experience sex this way. And Mm -hmm. I just think she was so careful with it and it was so beautiful. And what we've seen, and I, for a long time, I hadn't seen a single book that was anything like it. And then I read, um, the um, Katie Porter's Top Gun series, or it's like Vegas Guns series about um, uh, their Air Force fighter pilots um, training in Vegas. And each book, there are five books in the series, and each one explores a different kink. And the fourth mm-hmm. one is called Hard Way. And it's a married couple who are about to get a divorce. Um and it's really interesting because their marriage is like falling apart because they have no connection to each other whatsoever. And then they discover that um, that kind of really serious, like intense um, non-consent is how they can find each other again. And mm. that's not my kink at all. Um, but boy, that book works on a number of levels. It's amazing how, like, how you can tell something is written in, in such an amazing way that you read something that is not usually a thing that does it for you at all, um, that it might even be considered a hard limit, and it's just so well done. Both of, both of those books sound like that. Like, yeah, I, I, like, Asking For It was just so amazingly well done um, that you, you sort of live in that world for a while. Yeah, I think that's true. I think the religion thing, though, is worth coming back to also. So I have not read Priest. I think you guys both have. The the one that I have read that has a religious element to it is um, Craving Flight by Tamsin Parker, which is uh, a story of a, a woman who is Orthodox. Um, she's a, in the Orthodox Judaism faith and has come to it a little bit later in life, but she's also very interested in a BDSM relationship. And Mm -hmm. that's another one that is very, very well done um, in that she kind of has to figure, like her her husband, it's kind of an arranged marriage. Like they have met a few times. They don't have much of a, they don't have much personal intimacy, you know, Mm -hmm. not even physical or sexual, but just sort of personal relationship intimacy. Um, before they enter this marriage. And so she's not exactly sure how to ask for what she wants, but 
once he figures it out and figures out how to offer that to her in their physical relationship, um, it's really, it's, it's a very kind of loving and interesting way of exploring that in a context that that kind of relationship seems very different and unique. So, but again, it's, it's almost, it, again, it's a context that just feels like, uh, it's not that there's a disconnect, but based on what we do and talk about and are about as a culture, it seems like there could be a disconnect there. Mm. Yeah. And one of the things that's interesting about taboo, I think one of the things about the three of us as readers is that we we like sort of go a little further, especially with the anything goes options that we have. Um, but there's, I'm wondering about people who have their sort of like little core of things that they prefer to read and aren't much interested in pushing those limits. Like what is, what is, what is the taboo that they might not be find like so uncomfortable that they never want to reach that direction again? Mm. Oh, I mean, I do think taboo, it's a slippery slope, right? Like there are, there are um, like gateway taboos, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's power, right? Which is, so I do want to come back to this issue of, of like all the books that we've talked about so far have been very consensual. Like even when they're modeling non-consent, there's so much consent on the page. Mm -hmm. And now, and so like, I want to put a pin in that because I feel like in the, I feel like all, I think, I feel like most of the, um, the romances that can be coded as taboo are romances that play with this power dynamic, right? Like mm -hmm. when I remember the first time I ever read like a stepbrother romance and I was like, Oh, I don't like that. I mean, that's of course like a family thing, but it's also like, there's always like, he's always, a he's always older. He's usually like coming home from college. Like there, it, it was one of the like new adult pieces. And then mm -hmm. those like really edged into this like daddy kink, um, uh -huh. which isn't incestual, like, or incestuous. It's just, it's just a dad. Like, it's like a young, young woman, of age, but usually like just 18 and mm -hmm. like a 40 year old man who's like instantly wants to like breed her. Right. Like there's yeah, the, like yeah. our dynamic is really like from a distance, incredibly close up. It's incredibly problematic. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that where a lot of readers probably would start is something like professors, mm -hmm. right? Like, like, like Gabriel's Inferno, that kind of like, Old, slightly yeah. older student, but Professor Stein. Yeah. Or like Charlotte Stein, who mm. I, I think Charlotte Stein writes like, I mean, I think she's one of the best writers writing today. Like I could spend an hour talking to you about all the ways that I think Charlotte is brilliant, but she wrote a book called The Professor and uh. the premises like that the, his, he's an English professor. She writes, she's writing erotica like on the side for fun and she accidentally turns in a piece of erotica instead of like an analysis of, I don't know what Moby Dick. <laughs> As like, one does. We've Moby all been Dick, there. Of course. And he calls her into his, it's not Moby Dick, but it should be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he calls her into his office and he's like, uh, I have, I have notes. Like, and he gives her like, <laughs> he gives her, he's so like stiff and like, 
just cold and he gives her these notes on her erotica and he's like what do you mat like how do you masturbate right like and it's so hot <laughs> and they don't touch and you're like what is happening this is so long <laughs> but like it's delicious and somehow charlotte navigates this like taboo this power differential in a really beautiful way largely because charlotte has never written an alpha hero in her life and like so he's <laughs> completely like gooey and broken and like she saves him just as much but like that's a starter you know I, I always joke that like you know as um like you know consensual non-consent or dub con or non-con like that stuff is 400 level romance like mm-hmm. Charlotte signs the professor is like a 200 level like you know you get there and you're casually engaged and then you're like oh I like this and then you sort of move deeper in. That sounds like a great place to start. <laughs> By the way, so then even th- even like three minutes in, like I have so many books to read. But continue, <laughs> Trisha. <laughs> I was just I was gonna say, so then like if we so the where at this point, like where are the places so I think so you touched a little bit, Sarah, on the stuff of like adults versus non adults or barely adults which is I think for me where I draw a line like I have no interest in that yeah like so where yeah where where what is actually taboo like at this point in time as romance is sort of undergoing a lot of different changes and a lot of you know like I was actually one of my notes is sort of like I don't think at this point menage is taboo right like it was men and a woman (laughs) I don't I mean maybe not right I as we know I came to romance a little but you know what I mean? Like, Elisa, or, um, uh, Alicia Rye's A Gentleman in the Streets, like, there's at least one orgy scene in that book. Yes, there or it's, a, it's an orgy scene that goes on for, like, four or five chapters. Um, <laughs> but I don't think of that as being taboo. I just think of it as being more on the sort of erotic romance side. Mm-hmm. So if that is fine, like, if, that, if they could carry that in your local bookstore, what are the kinds of things that they – that you might sort of think like, I don't know that I would recommend that my local like politics and prose or whatever your local bookstore, I don't know that I would necessarily say, yeah, you should definitely put this on your shelf. Is there, are, what, what are those books? Well, there was that one that was um, actually like pulled back by the publisher. And I think the student was 18. So it was like, okay in quotation marks but she was still in high school yeah yeah no well there's i mean there are a lot of certainly okay i think there there are hard limits i think underage is a huge issue right Mm -hmm. like you can't you can't defend it i mean certainly like i am not here to kink shame like i will defend to my death of women's ability to like read whatever they want and fantasize however they want but like in that particular case you just can't like it's just damaged. It's dangerous. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, um, I think up until about a, six months ago, I would have said non-consent like is unacceptable. Right. And I still feel that way because I'm not actually certain that we're looking at romance anymore when we get sort of really down this dark hole. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're looking at erotica and there's mm-hmm. a difference, right? Like it, I feel like it's one of those, it's like you can, it doesn't feel like romance anymore when it's non-consent. It's true, trips, but it's not HEA. 
Yeah, like I'm not talking about what the books we were referencing where there is so much consent, like there's so much discussion and talk and like a contract and, you know, before Mm -hmm. anything gets worked out, but like true non-consent where she's abducted or, you know, I read one not long ago where like the heroine was abducted or she was on an airplane and she sat down next to a man and he drugged her, um, changed her passport. She was flying to France and she landed in Germany like, hmm. and then she was like trapped in this like big empty castle in Germany. And there was never a moment of him softening really. Like it just felt very, it was non-consensual, you know, the whole time. And she was sort of broke. It was Stockholm syndrome, right? Like mm-hmm. very clear Stockholm syndrome. And like, I had a real problem with that. Just as not, I mean, obviously there's, there's the one problem as a reader, like kink being the, uh, the issue, but then there's the second problem, which is like, well, am I reading romance right now even? Like, is this, is, can this possibly be a happily ever after? Right, mm-hmm. right. So then, Sarah, you mentioned like six months ago, that would have been a pretty clear delineation for you. Is there, did you read? And I think it still is. is. There, yeah. I just think like there are challenges, right? Because then I think, I mean, I would say sort of, there's a hard line, right? That there's that, that crosses the line and suddenly we're not in romance anymore. We're in erotica. But I also appreciate, like, I think Nikki Sloan is one of the best erotic romance writers out there. And she wrote a book called Sorted. Um, And it's pretty non con. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the end, the heroine decides to stay. And and it worked. I mean, this is where it starts to feel like in the hands, and I've said this a thousand times on panels, like across the world, but like in the hands of a brilliant writer, anything, anything can work. Right. Yeah. It is Mm -hmm. one. And so I don't know, it's really complicated. It's a, Mm -hmm. it's complicated because it does get into that question of like, there are two different kinds of romance, right? Like I spend so much time talking about romance as a feminist genre. And I know you guys do too. And I just, I think like when we talk about it, we're talking about two very separate circles. We're we're talking about romance, the text and the as being feminist because women should have a safe space to explore their like thoughts and their identities and their feelings and their sexuality and their kink. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you have this other, the other side of it, which is like the text itself espouses the tenets of feminism, right? The characters are feminist or the, mm-hmm. like the story is yeah. feminist. So right, like they're yeah. both, they both fit, right? Like it, there's a Venn diagram. Some of them overlap. Like, yeah. And yeah. So it's, yeah. Just, it's, you know, it's problematic. Yeah. Just like everything. feminism. Yeah, yeah. Feminism isn't always, uh, women in historical romance novels signing up other women to fight for the right to vote. Right. right? Like, like that's right. not always I what romance feminism is. Yeah. I love the yeah. suffragette, but yeah. yeah. Me too. No, it gets complicated. <laughs> it, it really is. Um, that feels like, so a- like, yeah, no, go ahead, Jess. I know exactly what you're going to say because we're at episode 11 now. So I know where, I know where your brain's at. So go. <laughs> I was just going to say that feels like a a great place to move into our next topic, because while we could talk about this all day for several days, um, we have a few other things on our agenda and we don't want, I mean, we'd love if you listen to us talk for a couple hours, but you probably don't want to 
in one episode at least. Um, so, although I would just like to say, Sarah already again knew exactly what you're going to say. Also, so I'm 11 episodes in. She's one episode in, and she's already <laughs> she's crushing it. She's like next you episode 12 is going to be Jess Pride and Sarah McLean hosting yeah, one in romance I, for Book Riot. I wish I had said what I was thinking because then it would have been a perfect segue. But oh darn. Ah, uh, see. <laughs> So it might actually just be Sarah McLean. It might be <laughs> Jess Pride and, and Trisha Brown have been replaced. Sarah McLean is just hosting Wine and Romance now. Yeah. <laughs> well, the only, I was just going to say, like, the only taboo other than being underage, I think, or related, is being a Nazi. A hero being a Nazi. And there oh. we go. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> but Sarah, no one would ever do that, right, Why Jess? Why would anyone ever do that? Really not. No. Oh. No. And if you are uh, sensing our sarcasm, it is because it has happened again. A publisher, a major publisher has decided that publishing a romance or what was at least marketed as a romance. Now they're saying it's not actually a romance, but I don't know. I have no clue. I haven't picked it up. Like publishing a book in which the hero is a Nazi. No, not, no, <laughs> just no. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this isn't the first time it's happened, even in this calendar year. Like, yeah. How is this yeah. a thing that is happening in the year of Kate Blanchett 2018? Like, yeah, we've had this discussion publishing. Yeah. And we've said it's a bad idea. And I know. The last time we had this conversation, it was probably already on its way to the printer. But still, why is well? I I, I also think this is cat like in this particular case, it's also that they could have changed the catalog copy between the last conversation and now. Um, if it's really not a romance about a Nazi, it sure reads like one. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I have a lot of opinions on this. <laughs> Go for it, but. Go, Sarah, by all means. Jump. So I guess it would be, I mean, we may as well give a little bit of background, right? So it sounds like um, uh, Harlequin uh, or HarperCollins specifically under, in at least the U.S., the Harlequin imprint, Mm -hmm. um, which Harlequin is actually a Canadian publisher, but they're owned by HarperCollins. This is the thing that's a little, it's not better, it's just more complicated about all of this, is that they are marketing this book called The Dutch Wife differently in different countries and under different imprints, but whatever. Regardless, they seem to be marketing in the U.S. as a Nazi romance um, because Harlequin is essentially more than almost any other romance imprint, exclusively a romance imprint. Mm -hmm. And it seems like it's being marketed a little bit differently in Canada or other places. But as somebody said, uh, maybe it was um, Cat Sebastian, actually. Uh, Maybe we just don't write books anymore at all in which Nazis uncover their inner goodness, whether it's romance or any other genre or movies or TV or collage or puppet shows, not interpretive dance, none of it. (laughs) So that is the background that you have. Yeah, I do think um, I can just shed a little more light. It's the Harlequin women's fiction imprint that's publishing in it, publishing it. And the catalog copy read very much like romance catalog copy. Anybody who listens to this podcast knows about romance novels and can go look at it. Um, But it, Essentially, it's a the same old story. Jewish heroine um, in a camp 
Uh, she's lost her husband. She's searching for her. what we now know is that she is searching for her husband and sells herself into one of the camp brothels, like moves camps to join a camp brothel. Um, and there is also a Nazi officer who, through the course of this book, knowing this woman, I don't know, finds soul. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, it sounds, you know, it, I, no Nazis. No Nazi heroes. Like, I don't want to know. I don't want a Nazi. I don't want to know about Nazis, like, learning to love. I don't want to know about them learning to be good. Like, we had, it's 2018. Nazis are terrible. And we just, we know Nazis. But also, as a writer, it's cheap writing. It's bad writing. Because I know why you're doing it, authors. You're doing it because it's nice. To, I like a bad boy. Everybody likes a bad boy. Everybody likes a reformed bad boy. And there's literally nothing worse than being a Nazi. (laughs) You know, I'd like him to start at a higher level than Nazi. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good point, too. Yeah. I'm... I am like on board for Cressley Cole's like mafia heroes. I'm on board for like, you know, contract killers. I'm on board for, it takes a lot for me to sit up and go, ah, I don't think so. But like genocide feels like a hard line that we can all get behind. Right. Yeah. And like, I'm sorry that you like, of course it's great conflict. It's, it's great. Like it's world war two. It's concentration camp. It's great conflict, but like, it's also lazy conflict, Like, come up with something more creative and also no Nazis. No. Nazis. Yeah. There are I so think, many people yeah. to write about, even if you really want a world war two story, the yeah. Nazis. <laughs> yeah. I don't I, know why we have to have this conversation. And I think that's the really interesting question, right? Like why do we have to keep having this conversation, right? Because this isn't self-publishing. And the other time that we talked about this year, it was because the USA Today had given a glowing review to one of these kinds of books. So Harlequin, USA Today, these are not sort of, you know, fringe Fringe. sort of publications uh, or fringe publishers. And I will grant you, like, there are some people who are terrible. There is another contingent of people who are kind of not great, But is it really the case that at this point in 2018, there's enough of a market for Nazis that, I mean, and maybe it is like, maybe I'm just like sadly optimistic and delusional, but I, I mean, why, why are we, why do we keep, why is it that every three, I mean, we, what did we say? We're at episode 11. We've been doing this podcast for not six months and this is the second Nazi romance conversation that we've had. Why is that? I mean, it could be because, you know, publishing has looked at America and decided that they're going to publish for 53% of the population. I don't, I don't know. But what does that say about what a Canadian publisher thinks about the United States? That they think they'll buy this because they like Nazis, because apparently someone will buy this book. I mean, a lot of people buy this book, right? We've seen that over and over again. The uh-huh. uh, the not the inspirational Nazi romance that mm-hmm. uh, was final for the Rita two years ago, and somehow like Ugh. flipped through all yep. of those readers, and nobody noticed that it mm-hmm. was what it was. Um, the book that you're tra- that you're talking about from USA Today was it, it was self published, and the hero was it was set um, behind the 
wall um, in East Berlin, and the hero was a Stasi officer who had mm-hmm. um, who had been a Nazi, um, and actually his career, the way that they like happily ever after that book was he was selling he was selling paintings that had been looted from Jewish homes, like that mm-hmm. for the love of like uh, it's. It's shattering, but of course, yeah, like there is that moment where you're like, well, we live in this world and like, look around us. There are a lot of people who agree with this and that's monstrous, mm-hmm. but like, the interest- you have to like get off my lawn also like, <laughs> and go somewhere yeah. else and read it somewhere else and do it somewhere else. But like, you don't get to do it here. Well, and that was the interesting thing I think about the USA Today example from a few months ago. And we talked about this at the time. So their first response was to put a like non-pology on their site saying, Mm -hmm. yeah, okay. But also like we stand by this, even though people are offended, sometimes people are offended by things or whatever. I don't know. But by the time, so I screenshot all of that. And then by the time we were recording, they had removed all of it from their site. So apparently the pushback was enough that they actually thought like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe no Nazis. Maybe that was okay. All right. Maybe there's enough pushback on this that we shouldn't. So I guess, is there some, is that a thing, right? Like, are we going to get to a point where maybe Harlequin pulls this book back? I mean, maybe they don't pull this one back, but like, do they stop? Or or like you said, honestly, Sarah, like there are a lot of really good, positive Goodreads reviews for this book for some reason, or, you know, like what I mean, is the are, turning point on this? And it's not just Nazis either. Like I, I explained the Stasi issue. It, there, there are books that are, you know, about Klansmen who, you know, fall in love with black women. There are about, there are books about, um, you know, set during, set during slavery that are about slavers. Like, and mm-hmm. it it's feels okay. like you're just shouting into the void, right? Mm-hmm. That these these are not stories that can possibly end happily. Like, there's nothing. They can't start happily. They can't exist happily. Like, there's nothing about these stories that suits that that I, makes them love stories. That makes them romances. They're monstrous. These heroes. I'm, just, I'm waiting and, for somebody to publish like that book about the border patrol guy who pours water out and falling in yeah. love with a Mexican girl. It's like no. For sure that's coming, Jess. Like, for sure. Gird your loins, because it's happening. Uh, and we're going to show, we're going to have to shout about that, too. But I was thinking today, actually, I was reading all these terrible stories about these children. And I was thinking, you know, ICE, like, heroes who work for ICE surely exist in romance. Like, mm-hmm. you know, heroes who work for Homeland Security, like, these exist. And suddenly we're now in this place where like, that's not acceptable. Like that's not an acceptable hero for me anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. don't, don't bring them to me. Don't put them in my, in my books. Don't ask me to read them, but you can't, you know, I mean, so then I still feel like these are different, but yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Klansmen, like these are different. I mean, like people who advocate for genocide, I get a special, a special shelf of horror. Well, yeah. it's interesting, right? We'll, we'll have to see what history tells us. But I, I'm curious because the both of you have been engaged in romance for a lot longer than I have. Do you sense that there is a shift over the last five or 10 or 15 years in terms of this particular topic? Like, are there, would there have been the same pushback 
that you're seeing, I mean, obviously Twitter didn't exist 10 or 15 years ago in the mm -hmm. same way, but is there, obviously we're not seeing a turning point. It's not a 90 degree or a 180 degree turn, but is there like a 15 or 20 degree sort of arc towards a different approach to these or a different perspective on these kinds of books? Or are we essentially where we were 10 or 15 years ago? Well, I was on the insiders chat recently and because this had just come out, I was like, so somebody, anybody who has read a romance with a Nazi hero and why did you read it? And what did you get out of it? And why was it compelling to you? And there was a lot of um, crickets, but then somebody was talking about summer of my American, my German soldier, my American soldier. Mm. Huh? And yeah. sure. And like, even like there was a long time where that book was, popular for for young people and people were talking Absolutely. about you know the range of like reading it and loving it and then later like not being allowed to read it by one of their parents so it's like mm -hmm. even in the time that we've been alive like that that shift has been made um but that's still like at least 15 years in the past so i don't Obviously, there hasn't been as much public outcry because we haven't had the op the opportunity and the platform. So I don't know if Sarah has has seen it at the publishing end. Um, I, I don't know enough about inspirational romance to be able to speak to the history of it. Um, if I had to guess, I would say there are definitely fewer now than there were. Um, mm. Because again, I mean inspirational has a problematic history that especially when heroines are of a different faith. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's, mm -hmm. um, so again, it's, it's sort of a, a, a quick, um, kind of cheap conflict, uh, that brings God in like inspirationals require God. So mm -hmm. it brings God instantly into Christian God instantly into the romance. Um, Though I think that what happened with the Rita was heard very clearly by inspirational publishers, at least. Mm -hmm. But I also think, like, look, this is romance is very big, and as you know, like self-publishing makes it much, much, much bigger, and makes it very easy to find all your all your kink, like we were talking about, all your taboo. Mm -hmm. um, and for some people, that's all this is. I mean, the reviews of that Stasi book are very clear because it came out and it was immediately negatively reviewed, of course, on Goodreads. And there's a lot of pushback from readers who are like, you don't understand, like, this is fiction. It's not, it doesn't matter. Like, he's mm -hmm. just a bad, he's just like a, a dark, you don't like dark romance or you don't understand that he's just a bad guy. Mm -hmm. You know, like, he kills her father, he kills her best friend, like, which in dark romance is not uncommon, right? But he also, like, is perpetuated a genocide. Like, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. somehow, like, take it to another level for me, at least. Yeah, I mean, that that's pretty next level. Right. Yeah, and, that's, and I, that's I, a lot. I can hardly, like, it has taken me a while to come around to heroes who are, like, criminals, like, I still rarely read, like, mob bosses and that kind of thing. But, uh -huh. you know, someone who has been to jail and has come out reformed, like, I, I'm just coming around to those. So someone who has actually participated in soldiering at a concentration camp is just, like, I'm, I'm so far away from that that I can't imagine that as just being a different kind of dark. 
Well, right. I feel like we can all agree. Maybe no more Nazis. No more Nazis, uh, please. So that is our request from When in Romance uh, and special guest, Sarah McLean. It is uh, no more Nazis. Yes, that is going to be our request. And frankly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and say demand on behalf of all three of us. No more Nazis. So no that's, more that's where we are. Yeah. So, I mean, this has been very helpful and enlightening to me. I think also maybe uh, it's time to lighten things up a little bit. Please. Should we do that? Let's yeah. do that. And Jess, I will toss it to you first. All right. To, um, let's thank our second uh, When in Romance sponsor. This time we are saying many, many thanks, both for the sponsorship and for the existence of Frolic Media. Frolic Yay. is a new media destination dedicated to all things romance and pop culture. Co-founders Sarah and Lisa were both searching for a destination to indulge their inner alpha heroines and geek out about the little things they love and their lifelong obsessions. Weren't we all? They couldn't find it, so they decided to build it. Um, They are devoted to building a destination in Romancelandia that celebrates optimism, romance novels, and love of books and pop culture. And they have daily content from some of the biggest authors, bookstagrammers, and bloggers. Um, they've worked with Alicia Rye, Alyssa Cole, Chanel Clayton, Jill Shalvis, Jasmine Guillory, so many more. Um, Book Riot's own Sylvana Reyes has written for them recently. We're really excited for Syl. Um, and their content is all over the place. They have a community on Facebook, Frolic Community. They're on Twitter, on Frolic, and Instagram, also on Frolic. Um, and here's an interesting factoid. B and Leah Cope from The Ripped Bodice and Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches are on their advisory board. So they they have some some core core people. Um, and they, they their articles are all over the place and all amazing. Like, you know, they, they just did um, some heist romances in celebration of Ocean's 8, which is an awesome movie. Alyssa Cole has been doing monthly hor- horoscope um, novel recommendations. Um, and we'll talk about the, that later because um, I, I just read one that was pretty fantastic based on her article. Um yeah, so they're doing awesome things, and we're really appreciative of them. So Frolic Media, Frolic Media, um, if you type in frolic.media, you'll you'll find them. Um, so thanks to them. And we, yeah, we met them briefly at um, RT, and they were lovely. Um, they did have tiny bottles of uh, liquor on their table, which we thought were free for people to have, and they were not. So that was a little bit of a disappointment. That was. But by and large, they were lovely. They actually have a um, an article out today. We're recording on June 14th um, from a contributor named um, Jill Stebbleton. I think I'm probably pronouncing her name wrong. I apologize, Jill. I will correct it if you tell me that I got it wrong. Um, but it's it's called Five Books That Made Me Love My Asexuality, uh, which is definitely a post that I will be bookmarking because um, I am always just – I feel like I don't read about enough um, ace heroes and heroines. And so I would love to read more about that. But it is – it's a really – it kind of – it seems like it kind of popped out of nowhere, um, although I'm sure for them it did not. But it's, yeah. it's a very cool site doing some very cool stuff. It really is. So thanks to you. Frolic Media for existing and for giving us all the awesome content that you have given us and will continue to give us about romance and superheroes and heist movies and everything in between. 
Uh, speaking of awesome content, we actually have some fantastic book recommendations. But before we get to those, I have approximately, who's counting, but one hour and 19 minutes left in a new book uh, called Wicked in the Wallflower. It is by an author named Sour McLean. Uh <laughs> And I am enjoying it very much. I actually almost bailed on this podcast to finish it, but I did not. Uh, we appreciate so, that. Well, I'm grateful I mean, for that. I mean, you know, it's like no big deal, whatever. I think I'm actually maybe about to get into a very steamy scene. I'm not really sure they're headed to uh, the rooftops. I don't know, guys. I'm not really sure what's about to happen. But um, I actually was almost like also didn't go to work today but then I was like no I have like 14 different deadlines so I I did go to work I am on this podcast but now you all know what I'll be doing immediately after (laughs) um Sarah I so I I, we like I said we have other you know books that I know all three of us want to recommend but I have to ask you a little bit about this book first it's coming out Tuesday right I think it's Mm -hmm. coming out the 18th so by the time so as we always tell people we know you listen to this podcast the day it comes out immediately Exactly. So when it comes out, you can just go on pre-order and it will hit your um, either mailbox or ebook or bookstore or whatever the next day. It'll come out the next day. Um, But one of the things that I really noticed a lot about this book, and you can tell folks a little bit more about it, but there is a really heavy family element in this book, both that you set up in the prologue with your hero um, and his siblings, but also actually I really felt it with the heroine who... Mm -hmm is in a position where she kind of is pushed and sort of feeling obligated and even kind of wants to do a thing and help her family out, and especially her brother, uh, even though it is not the right thing for her. And so, like I said, I the the siblings on the hero side are much closer in a lot of ways, or at least some of them are. For anybody, um, but I, like I said, I really sort of felt that obligation on the heroine side of when you just you. I, she actually says to her brother at one point something about, um, "I will do this thing, and then you get to live happily ever after." And it was that thing of the sacrifices that people make for the people that they love, and not in this particular example, in a romantic situation, but just in a familial situation. So um, I don't know, that that hit me pretty hard. And we haven't said anything really about the book at all, which is probably not helpful to people. But um, so I'll let you talk a little bit about it. But I wanted you to know that that, that is a thing that uh, also there's a lot of pink in it. So now everybody knows everything they, they really need to know. Yeah, there is. I mean, it's a pink book. And that's it. Um, well, I'm very grateful to hear that. There's the, I mean, this, the whole series is about family. And what it means and how it shapes us and how it breaks us and how it consumes us. And, um, and sometimes how it, how it destroys us. Right. So, um, the book, the, the setup of the, it's the first in the bare knuckle bastard series. Um, and the premise of the series is there are, um, three brothers who are born fairy tale style, um, at the same on the same day, at the same hour, at the same minute, to three uh, to the same man, but to three different women. Um, so their father, the Duke, is married to another woman entirely who is also pregnant. And um, he is stuck uh, with whatever heir. She is pregnant with, by a person who is not him. And she is stuck with whatever baby comes out of her, um, who will ultimately be the heir to a dukedom, whether or not. Um, it, he is legitimate and that child is born and it is a girl. 
Um, so it will not be an error at all. And so he goes off um, into the world and he seeks out his three sons and he makes them compete sort of Hunger Games style for the dukedom. And one of them wins and the other two have to run. And they run to uh, Covent Garden, which at the time was not as posh as it is uh, now. And uh, they pull themselves up by their bootstraps, fighting bare knuckle style um, and sort of becoming kings and criminals, um, noble scoundrels. And they run a smuggling ring uh, in Covent Garden. And that's where we meet them. Um, we meet them on the day that their their third brother, who is now the Duke, returns to London and uh, plans to have an heir and make a life for himself. And that was never the deal. And they have to punish him. And the way that they do that um, through a, through events is um, by, trying, <laughs> by trying to ruin, by ruining uh, the hero of this book, Devil, decides that he's going to ruin the heroine of this book, who is the fiance of the brother. Um, so, uh, and it moves on from there. Um, and Felicity is, Felicity's the heroine. She is old. She's not very old. She's, what, she's like 28, to be clear. Yeah. yeah. She's yeah. old and she's plain and she used to be a glittering like diamond of, of society. And now she's not because um, sometimes that happens. And um, she is a lockpick because that makes her feel like she has control over something. Mm -hmm. um, and Devil, the hero, is completely consumed by her almost instantly. Um, and he thinks he is consumed by her ability to exact his revenge for him. And it turns out he's just consumed by her and they do get dirty on a rooftop. So spoiler. Well, I mean, now I know what I'm getting into. Although I have a really hard time <laughs> believing that there is going to be anything that is more sort of, um, enchanting than the scene where they're sitting on a bench, oh. like, across from each other, like whispering to each other because of the sound dynamics of the bench, they can hear each other across, which is like that uh, really lovely thing that sometimes happens in romance where it's, it's kind of, I feel like we were talking about it a little bit earlier where you, you can't quite do a thing. And so there's, it's almost sort of hotter because <laughs> they're not actually touching each other. They're talking to each other and like whispering from some kind of a distance. And he's telling her the story of Janus, the god, the god of, you know, the calendar or like well, I'm born in January. So I was very moved by it. Um, I was also reading it. I was also reading it at the gym. So thank you for getting me through 45 minutes on the elliptical machine. I really okay. appreciate that. You're very welcome. That bench is real, by the way. Um, it's based on a real bench. There's a bench in Central Park that's the Charles Stover bench and if you sit at either end of the bench the acoustics of the bench make it so that if you whisper on one end the person at the other can hear you so that's a real thing can Fun everybody fact. else though because that would get awkward <laughs> um I'm probably everybody on the whole bench but it's just well. the two of them in this particular scene it's just the two of them on the bench yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. that's important to note <laughs> It's true. Um, well, I, uh, yeah, I would, uh, like I said, I haven't even gotten to the rooftop yet, and I would encourage everybody to check it out. Um, Jess, I don't know if you have any other thoughts or questions before we move on to that, but I, I did not want it to go without saying that uh, there's rooftops, and there's a bench, and uh, there's They're family. There's a lot it. going on. I mean, how much well, more can I say than that? <laughs> I mean, well. what else do you need? Wicked and the Wallflower Wicked by Sarah McLean, everybody. It's coming coming soon to an e-reader or library or hard copy or whatever you want near you. 
Um, so that is our that is our first recommendation here for episode eleven of When in Romance. Um, but we have some others. Do you want to do you want to kick us off, Jess, and tell folks what we're doing and why? So it's June, and therefore it is Pride Month. Every June, things great things come in June. Pride, Pride, me with a Y. It's my birthday month, so we just Woo! we get to celebrate all kinds of things. But uh, and if I'm not mistaken, your birthday is the same day as uh, Wicked in the Wallflower releases. Is that right? It is. I share a birthday with a book. Wait, I mean, so are you it's a, a big G- day. Are you a Gemini or are you a Cancer? I am a Gemini, and su- surprisingly, very few Cancer's traits. So, so there you go. Interesting. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> important to note it's important exactly no i should have asked before yeah everybody jot that down yeah now we know and you'll know what i what i'll be reading based on Alyssa cole's frolic uh, horoscope. <laughs> 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 um, i love those horoscopes so like it's pride month so we wanted to take some time to talk about some wonderful books that are about people who live their lives Somewhere along the LGBTQIAA plus everything else um, <laughs> spectrum. Yeah. And we've got, I think we've got a couple each. Um, and I promise not to gush too long about any of them because we're probably, we're probably coming close to the end of our time here. Um, but why don't I kick us off with one that I am almost done with by the time you're listening to this i will have finished it and been screaming about it across the internet i can tell unless something absolutely drastic happens on the last five pages that it's going to be magic and that is cinnamon blade knife and shining armor by shira glassman um like i said Alyssa cole reminded me that i have this book and should have read it when I bought it, but I didn't. And now I'm annoyed because it's so good and I haven't had time to finish it, even though it's really short. So there's one thing. It's really short. You can read it this evening. Just go do that now. Um, And it is about a superhero named Cinnamon Blade. She is bisexual and Jewish, and she works with a team of other superheroes to keep uh, Southern Florida safe. And she keeps saving this lovely young woman named Soledad and really, really, really wants to ask her out, but she doesn't want to do it after she's saved her because she doesn't want to like mess up the power dynamic thing. So eventually delighted. Right? Yeah. Like now I know exactly what I'm reading after Wicked in the Wall. I'm literally downloading this now. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what is this? Um and so she finally finds the chance to ask her out and she's like are you finally asking me out cuz like come on and yes. they're just two of the most adorable people and there's also world saving so there's that so that's cinnamon blade knife and shining armor by Shira Glassman Oh my god I love that Sarah why don't you go next because I wasn't immediately downloading and I wasn't I don't know what I was thinking so now I have to do that <laughs> Um, okay, so I just finished this morning um, Breerly by Aster Glenn Gray, um, which is also a novella. And it is a retelling. It's a male-male retelling of Beauty and the Beast Ooh. Uh, set during World War II. And it is 
it's magnificent. I mean, it it feels somehow this. I think it's a debut. I mean, I don't understand how it could possibly be. It's, it's so beautiful. It's beautifully, beautifully written. It's set in um, the countryside during World War II, and there is uh, a parson and his daughter. Um, you know, it's, it starts off just like Beauty and the Beast, and the parson um, comes across a, um, a castle, and there are these beautiful, like, World War II-y kind of... Um, touches to it like for example the reason why he stumbles upon he gets lost and stumbles upon this castle is because during world war ii they took down all the the sign the road signs so that Mm. the germans know where they were going like there are these like really beautiful little like nuggets of history and it's like thoughtfulness inside these books but anyway he gets to a castle we've all seen this he gets himself inside and it um there's a beautiful table set and he um realizes like something's up with this castle and it turns out that what's up with this castle is that it is under a spell and uh, it is the the owner of this castle or the you know the man who lives in this castle is a dragon uh-huh. and instead of it being him taking the parson um prisoner and then his daughter coming the parson and the dragon fall in love and it is uh-huh. just <laughs> amazing like it's just so thoughtful and it's one of those things where there are so many things that like as I was reading I was like I don't understand like Beauty and the Beast of course like he's been cursed for all these years so he's obviously older like he's like there's obviously like she's way too young for him right like there's no frame of reference for life but like here's this person there's I know um I know you like uh inspirational books and like there's a it's there's sort of a meditation on like like faith and God. I mean, like, it's so, it's so beautiful. And mm-hmm. it's called C R I A R L E Y. And it's by Aster Glenn Gray. And I just felt, I was really moved by it. Sorry. Can you give us the name one more time? Breerly by Aster Glenn Gray. Aster A A S T E R Glenn, like John Glenn and Gray G R A Y. Well, that sounds lovely. I am on board. Me too. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I feel like that actually checks a few of the different boxes of things that I would like to read more of. So, boy, boy, the TBR on this episode is going to be both awesome and difficult. And you're all welcome. Oh, yeah. Explosive (laughs) is a great word for it. Thank you, Jess. Um, All right. So the first one that I will toss out is actually one that I was going to talk about um, when we were doing our uh, best books that we've read in 2018 so far. Mm-hmm. And it's a book that I don't think was published in 2018. Actually, I'm almost sure that it wasn't, but it's a book called Autumn by Cole McCade. Um, and it's, it's actually spun off of, uh, a different series of the Crow City, um, so- story that, that McCade has also done. You don't have to have read those books. I have not read those books. So you just have to sort of come to terms with the fact that you don't necessarily know the full story about one of the hero's uh, adult daughter being missing. But Joseph's adult daughter has gone missing and his brother-in-law, so um, his daughter's mother's brother uh is involved in this also because uh wally who's the brother-in-law is is also very close to the daughter and so joseph is trying to sort of manage his grief over his missing daughter and wally kind of won't leave him alone to deal with it because joseph is kind of taken to his bed and is very upset about all of this and um it's 
that there are a few things that I really, really like about this book. And one of the things that I really like is that both heroes are older. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're both, I think they're both like knocking on 50. Um, yeah. And yeah, so they're like, he has an adult daughter, like they're, you know, they're on the older side. And also Wally has, um, I believe it's multiple sclerosis. I apologize if that's wrong, but he's definitely dealing with a chronic illness and chronic pain. And he has actually been in love with Joseph for years and years and years. And so, but Joseph has actually held a grudge against him for about as long. Oh no. And so, yeah. So they kind of have to sort of manage that and figure it out. And so there are a lot of, there are secrets and grudges and drama and all of those things are very real. Um, but it is the kind of book where it's two people who have to navigate all of those things, but also who recognize that like they're adults and if they want it enough, they can navigate those things. And so um, I just really kind of liked that it was very different in a lot of ways from a lot of the romance that I see. Mm-hmm. And so if you are looking for, uh, again, something that's a little bit different from what you normally find, that is one that I would recommend. Again, that's Autumn by Cole McCade. And we will link to it, of course, in the show notes. Excellent. So I think that takes us back to you, Jess. Uh, well, this is not a new recommendation for me and I'm sorry if you've heard it from me before but (laughs) the day that I don't recommend treasure is the day that I die so you're welcome I actually don't know that you've done it on the podcast though I'm not sure if I have so you're welcome brand new okay Mm -hmm. cool hi um Rebecca (laughs) Weatherspoon's treasure (laughs) it's also a novella I think we're we're seeing I'm seeing a trend here novellas Mm -hmm. the new thing um, and it is a college romance featuring two lovely young black women, one of whom is an unapologetic stripper. Yes, she's working for the money, and she's not sorry about that. Um, and Alexis and Treasure are two of the most adorable people that I've ever read books about um and they're both they both have their own very built out family lives but they also are both really invested in their schoolwork so you get to see all of that and the two of them falling in love with each other in 106 pages um and this was the first thing i had ever read by rebecca weatherspoon and now i'm kind of ride or die for her so yeah yeah, just you, read it. You never forget your first. You I never feel like that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said earlier. Yeah. So I have three, but how many are, are we going to be able to do? I mean, you know, why don't you do if you? Why don't you do like uh, quick so shots different. on all three? Okay. Yeah. Do them all. Do them all, um, Sarah. Well, I only have two more, so the first was done. But so, oh yeah, so do both. Live large. Okay. Okay. So the next one that I have is Think of Patient by Anna Zabo. Yes. Okay. I, that, I was going to at least give a have name check to that one too. About that on Only the- in we, passing. We mentioned it briefly and we met them at um, RT. And so, but anyway, yes, by all means, you um, jump on in. So I don't know if their last name is Zabo or Zabo, but it's the ABO. And um, I came to this book because um, I struggle a lot with, um, being able with pushback from, um, arrow people, aromantic people who, who, um, who don't know where to start with romance or don't know wh- why they would read romance or, or what they, what, 
how romance might um, reflect them. Mm-hmm. And so I went to friends who know more than me. And this, this was the book that was routinely referenced as like, you must read this. And it's so good. Um, mm. It's a rock star romance, which automatically like checked the box for me. Um, the hero is this like deep protect the one of the heroes, the sort of main character, um, Ray is this sort of very sort of deep protector type. Um, and I, and I just love, like he's, there's just so much about him to love. And, um, the, the, the other, um, main character, um, Xavier is a romantic and when they meet, he's the drummer. And when they meet there's, and there's such res- sort of respect in the com- in the conversation, like there's so much consent discussion about identity and about like respect for relationship. It's super hot. Like the sexual relationship between them is like bananas, sexy. And then on top of it, there's just, it's also, it's BDSM. If that's the thing that you're into. Um, and there's also this just sort of very real, like very respectful sense of like these two people becoming very good friends and mm-hmm. like their friendship becoming like the cornerstone of their relationship. And, um, and it, it ends in this sort of very like powerful, happy, um, respectful place between two people who, um, seem to maybe not be able to fit in all ways. And then of course they fit in all ways, like in this very sort of rich, thorough, respectful, like deep way. And I loved every minute of it. And I'm so glad because it is, the first time that I read a romance with an arrow main character. And I'm so glad that now I have one to, sh- to mm-hmm. speak to, but also um, I love how Anna was able to, um, you know, delve into all the different kinds of relationships that we have as people. Um, and it just feels like such a big romance. It's not a novella. Um, and it, it, it feels big in the way that there, there are just so many different connections between people and, and emotions. So. Yeah. We talked about this one, um, as a found family, like there was definitely a found yeah. family element to this mm-hmm. that was really, really moving to me. And there's like a delicious villain, you know, there's, yeah. the, there's lots going on that you can, you know, hang your hat on. Yeah, I don't want to brag, but uh, Counterpoint, which is the next book in the series, definitely uh, hit my inbox yesterday. So no big deal. Whatever. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. When is it out? Uh, that one is out September 24th. I'm in. I'm, in. I'm excited. Dom- yeah. Uh, yeah. Domino slash Dominic Bradley, uh, <laughs> who is um, it has one personality on stage, another personality off, whatever. No big deal. Just read uh, Syncopation. You guys will get it. It's fine. <laughs> Um, why don't you do your other one too, Sarah, and then um, I oh, will okay. do one, and we'll we'll my, we'll see what we got. My other one is Nicola David. Since I've talked about this, like I feel like I talk about it all the time online, but um, I haven't been on the podcast, so I haven't talked about it here. But it's Nicola Davidson's My Lady's Lover, which uh, is historical, uh, female, female, and this whole series is really great. It's really it's like a sex, very sexy, erotic. Um, historical romances. Um, the characters all own all own a kink club, like a sex club in the Regency that the Prince Regent is actually a member of, and he's a character in the books. And she just <sighs> Nicola writes it, 
writes him so like he's so funny and like lovable and like that lovable scoundrel kind of horrifying you know Prince Regency <laughs> kind of way like just constantly in excess like loves to be in this kink club um and this is a really beautiful um it's a really beautiful uh female female romance that you don't you don't actually see a lot of um of lesbian romance in historicals um oh, which is yeah kind of a bummer but I yeah yeah for sure so um but what I love about it is Nicola does this remarkable like she tells she write builds this like huge world um and again it's another it's another novella um she builds these sort of huge worlds filled with characters who um just exist and adore each other um because they can and Mm -hmm. there's no like it's so it's the perfect it's exactly the kind of queer romance that historical needs more of I mean we didn't talk at all about queer about historical romance um but I'm sure you've talked many times about the fact that like there are a lot of problems with historical romance but not with um Mm -hmm. Nicola's world and so basically it's a character who is in love with her boss Um, and so like, there's a little bit of taboo if like boss, boss, uh, you know, employee romances are, Mm -hmm. are, um, your thing. And yeah. And then they, they sort of, they end up, she, there's one of them has been in an abusive relationship. Um, and they fall in love and it's really, really beautiful and very quick and, but very sexy and it's it's delicious. So, well, I'm excited to read that. Nicholas Nicola Davidson. I came to that because this this one is not is not queer, but there is um another book in the series. My my like current kink is the Alpha Submissive, um, and somebody gave me Nicola's name because they were like, oh, she writes like she one of the books in that series has that kink, and then I just glommed the whole series in like three days. So. Okay, going after that one too. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to give us? Do you want to give us the name of that one? Do you know that it? Off title is? You, yeah. You can think about it for a minute. You think <laughs> about it for a second, and I will talk briefly about one of the first um, uh, queer romances that I read, which is a book called "In the Middle of Somewhere" by Roan Parrish, um, which is about uh, it's it's present day. It takes place in a small, I want to say like Michigan town. Um, it features Daniel, who is this sort of tattooed hipster college professor from a working class family who is trying to find a, a teaching job. And so he goes for this interview in this sort of wooded, like I said, I think it's Michigan town. And he finds himself in kind of a precarious situation and he needs to be just on this weekend interview. And he has to be kind of rescued by Rex, this very big, strong, shy, like furniture making, um, custodian handyman uh and they have kind of this weekend together and daniel leaves and then he comes back because he gets this job and they i one of the things that i i mean this is obviously a theme for me but one of the things that really moved me about this is that they there's like this slow build to their relationship it's the conflict is almost entirely internal it's that daniel thinks that you know um Rex is going to let him down like most other people have. And Mm -hmm. Rex is really shy and isn't sure that he can invest in somebody else. And 
I mean, also Rex is really good at making furniture, which is like maybe the dreamiest thing that <laughs> ever has crossed a romance page ever. Um, I say as someone who is surrounded by like Ikea furniture that I can't even build. So whatever, no big deal. Um, romance but it, yeah, exactly. Yes. Although actually I've kind of feel like Ron Swanson might be romance Ron Swanson, <laughs> but <laughs> yes. Accurate. yeah, Accurate. yeah. Accurate. Um, but he's like the cousin, the, like he's the Michigan cousin, it, like, cause I think Ron Swanson was in Indiana. Yeah. So he's like the Michigan, Michigan. Yeah, the ver- Michigan version. Yeah. That's probably, I actually, I never read the second book in the series. So maybe that is where it picks up. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but they're just really kind to each other. And they're, and this is something that I said, I think about the kiss quotient a couple of weeks ago, like they both want it and they're both trying. And I, I, that is a thing that for me um, really means a lot. And so In the Middle of Somewhere by Roan Parrish, which is a, who is an author that Jess talked about a couple of weeks ago, um, who, is, who is very lovely. So that is one that I would recommend that, that folks check out. Also not a novella, but, you know, a book that will – it's a slow burn, but it moves, um, it moves quickly at the same time. Yeah. And if you're looking for oh. Roan Parrish, I will also throw out Riven, which I talked about last time and which is still good. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, yeah, Sarah, you were you were gonna give us your other name? Yeah, the other um, Nicola Davidson, uh, Davidson, the one with the alpha submissive, is the Devil's Submission. Is the name of the, the book? Perfect. And I was actually also going to mention um, we've mentioned we just in passing a couple of the other books that we've talked about that would fit this category, but we've talked about them before are um, Thaw by Elise Springer, which is a uh, um, uh, a female female uh, romance that features um, one of the heroines is asexual. Um, also, I will. Uh, <laughs> Jess was talking about how the day that she doesn't recommend treasure is the day that you know she no longer is on the podcast. The day that I don't recommend his in- his convenient husband by Robin Covington is mm-hmm. the day that I am no longer on this podcast. <laughs> so um, those are a oh, couple well, of I mean, other just, favorites of ours. If we're doing favorites, oh, yeah. too, can I just like shout out? I'm sure. Everybody Please. has heard me say this, but um, Alexis Hall's For Real, which I think if I made a list of my top five romances at all of all time, it would be on it. Um, oh, that's interesting. I've read Glitterland. I haven't read For uh, Real. It's good to know. Oh, my God. For Real is so good. It's so good. It's um, a, it's a BDSM relationship, but it flips the script um, in that uh, the hero who is the dominant is very young. He's and like has just sort of come to terms with the fact that he's a sexual dominant. And he and the hero who is the submissive is like this like sort of jaded, um, older like surgeon who lives in Mayfair. It's set in London. He lives in Mayfair. Like he's just money. He's rich and he's just out of a long term relationship. And he goes to a kink club because his friends are like, you have to shower and get out of this house. <laughs> and he sees the younger hero like across the room. And he's like that kid like should not be in here like he's too young he's too perfect he's gonna be ruined by this place and he goes over and he says you have to leave and (laughs) i'm like getting emotional and the and the younger hero says how do i learn to be dominant if i don't come to places like this and um the submissive hero just drops immediately to his knees and like becomes his submissive and it's so emotional but it flips that sort of like script of like he's not he it's not like the dominant alpha and like the like simpering virgin it's like the reverse yeah that's so the power is all like convoluted and like complex and i just think alexis writes a beautiful sentence 
Yeah. Alexis Hall it's, got me to read like hundreds of pages of gameplay. So <laughs> I'm pretty I'm pretty attached to him. I I will definitely be picking that one up. Oh, it's so good. I'm so good. Neither of you read it, so I'm so you have to tweet me when you're done. You have to tell me what you think. I just think it's beautiful. Definitely. Huh. I, and then I have a heart of like stone cold ice and I don't cry ever. And that book made me cry like twice. Uh-huh. Oh man. All right. Well, like just said, <laughs> explosive TBRs here right? on uh, here on When in Romance. Uh, well, I mean, I have uh, rooftop shenanigans that I that are awaiting me. Is there any any parting words that um, we need to to offer to our to our listeners besides the fact that uh, wait for it, Book Riot is still offering um, a five hundred dollar gift card to the um, bookstore of your choice? Sarah, do you have a favorite local bookstore? I do. My local bookstore is Word in Brooklyn, and they are especially my favorites now because they also do all of my pre my signed pre-orders for books. And this morning, I was I went over there to drop something off, and like all the little elves of Word were like under packages, and I just I'm sure I made their life just terrible today. So um, <laughs> they are wonderful, and they are tiny wee. There's they have like a barely probably 400 square foot space. Uh, storefront in Brooklyn and they have made space for romance and a romance community in Brooklyn, which is really wonderful. And they have a romance book club and they care deeply about making space for their community. And that's all I want from an indie. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, so yep. if you are uh, in the greater Brooklyn area, go to bookriot.com uh, slash bookstore 500 before June 21st so that you can go and buy all of the romance books, including Wicked and the Wallflower from Word. Um, or if you live somewhere else, you can just buy it from someplace else, too. But um, go and, and buy all of your romance there. <laughs> um, Jess, any parting words? Sarah, any parting words? Um, Thanks for having me. This was thank awesome. You. Thank you like, so much for joining us. <laughs> I just like yeah, sitting around and talking about romances and yelling about Nazis. <laughs> I mean, yeah, on I think brand. probably. Yeah, <laughs> right. Brand, yeah, so true. I feel like it's yeah on brand across the board. Right. Um, so we probably already know what you think about Nazis, but do let us know if you have. Uh, Pride Month um, or other romance recommendations that you have for any of us. You can find all of us online. Um, I am on a Twitter at Trisha, T-R-I-S-H-A underscore reads. Uh, Sarah, are you on Twitter? <laughs> Just am. kidding. We all know that you are. But will you tell us <laughs> tell us where to find you on Twitter? I am at, I'm at Sarah McLean. All one word. All right. Jess? And I apologize in advance. like it isn't wonderful all the time um i am at jess is reading all one word magically enough jess is reading and jess can you be found on instagram i certainly can at jess underscore is underscore reading um and i am at trisha haley brown with no underscores uh sarah are you an instagram user i actually don't know that about you i am i am at sarah mclean Oh, well, well that's word. very easy. Um, and this, boy, we, we chalked this one full of book recommendations and show notes. So I will make sure that all of those social media identities and all of these books are on our um, show notes. And I'm actually going to make sure that we're linking to the show notes in our uh, podcatcher link, too. So I will make sure that you can link directly through. Um, 
But in the meantime, Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time. I, I know that you have Tyrannosaurus Rex books to read still tonight, yeah. so you got a lot going on. Um, <laughs> no, we appreciate you my, taking the time. I think my Tyrannosaurus Rex went to bed, so that worked out oh, well for me. I well, that's good the because <laughs> there was a lot of eating and like people getting eaten in classrooms. It was a lot. So, um, <laughs> well, thank you all so much for listening. Um, Jess, you're good to go? Good to go. Happy reading, everybody. Happy reading. Happy reading.